how do we attract, hire, and retain top talent? But I think a really important thing for organizations is you often ask a senior leader, hey, what's the most important thing in your organization? Who in the organization is the best bang for book to start training? Really quick, before we get started, if you're a return listener, can you please leave a rating? If you're on Spotify or iTunes, you can leave star ratings and subscribe. It makes a huge difference to the growth of the podcast, and it, it means that we can impact more construction companies to allow them to make more profit and stay in business over long term, and that's all we want to do. So please uh, leave a rating and subscribe, and now let's get on with the show. Hey, Construction Legends. This is part two of my interview with Ryan Castle. Ryan is the CEO of TheBreakthrough.co and we've invited him on the podcast for our free consulting series where whenever I'm looking for help in a particular area, I find the best people, I ask them the questions that I need help with and I hope that you benefit from it too in your construction business. Ryan is a New Zealander, he's based in Colorado and is an expert in leadership and scaling construction businesses. He's been a director at The Breakthrough since 2013 and is now CEO. In part two, we part one and go find it if you haven't listened to it, we talk about why people don't stay at an organization for a once a month barbecue, why organizations are like training cats rather than military-esque. And if I can't afford to train anyone, we answer the question of what level of the organization is the best bang for book for me to concentrate my training on. Enjoy. And if we go back to what you're saying, and then a lot of leaders, you'd like if, okay, well, if I'm not hands-on tools, what am I doing? And that what you are doing is these things, creating mentorship programs and creating trainings, because the next level is how can I train people to do what I was doing? And so that's where the time needs to be spent. Again, mistakes I've made. And so I want to move forward a little bit, really from my own experience. And I think this is, is, is pretty much a given now at this stage. It took me a while to realize is that to grow your company, at the beginning, it's about delivering a good product, doing great work, but to grow it is about people. It absolutely is. It's hiring. In the first, it's, it's hiring people that are better than you. That ultimately is what you're trying to do. You want to hire someone. So people, again, tend to hire people that aren't as good as them because they feel good about it. And then that's a mistake because then they're not as good as you. But if you can, the end goal is if you can hire someone who's better at that specific thing, better at sales, better at the delivery of thing than you, because that's all they do. They do that work one thing or you you do everything that's the goal and so if we take that as fact and that is the goal how do we attract hire and retain top talent there are multi elements to this and I'll, I'll just refer to some recent research that came out from McKinsey they looked at right across a whole bunch of industries and they asked the senior leaders in organizations why do you think people are leaving your organization and moving to to other organizations and they then ask the people that had actually left those organizations their reason for leaving. What do you think the senior leaders thought the reasons were that people were leaving the company? I'd say money, opportunities elsewhere maybe. Yep, spot on. So it was money and, a, and a, like a better job or a better job title particularly was was kind of what the senior leaders thought. And any guesses at what the actual employees that were departing were uh, saying was the reason they were departing? Lack of ability to move up in a company or something along, uh, 
motivation, I, w- I would say, or, or job satisfaction. Yeah, so it definitely aligned with that. It was like, I don't feel valued by the organization. I don't feel valued by my manager. All right, those were the two primary reasons that people were leaving because they didn't feel valued. And we have this phrase that we use often, which is people join organizations, but they leave managers. So, you know, they get frustrated with the leadership they're receiving, the support, the sense of being being valued. And, you know, it's no surprise because, again, we've moved people into leadership and management roles without teaching them the fundamental skills of what managing people looks like. Yep. And we particularly talk about we people learn skills, but actually what they learn is awareness. So sometimes, you know, you just need to read what's going on on site, right? And go, you know, Bob just looks like he's having a really off day. I'm not going to yell at him for not going as fast as he normally does. I'm actually going to take him aside and go, hey, Bob, you just seem a bit off today. What's what's happening for you? You know, what's going on in your world? Let's talk about the whole person. Bob might be having an absolute disaster at home, but doesn't feel comfortable talking about it. And I'm not suggesting that all uh, management and leadership needs to be like hugs and kisses and fluffy. It's just an example of when a good leader has awareness of what's going on in their team, they can read the situation and then yeah. and, you know, address it appropriately. And, and that's really important as well. It's not like prying into people's personal lives. It's trying to be understanding. Like if someone's performance is down and you're looking at them, you're like, this guy's this, this guy's just not good anymore or, or whatever. But the reality is there might be something going on at home. And then, so if you can give them a bit of space to, okay, you got this thing going on at home. How about we just give you a bit of space to whatever. Then when he comes back, He's like, you've not fired him and you come back and he's a top class performer again. And then that's obviously way better. And not having those conversations doesn't allow you to be able to do those things, essentially. And that person feels valued, right? So then when the competition comes down the road and goes, hey, Bob, come and work for us for another dollar an hour. Bob's like, "Uh, you know what? I think I'll stay where I am because these guys have really looked after me. They've given me some support in a time of need need for me. You know, I owe them. I feel loyal. I'm going to stick around. Now, can you create eternal loyalty? No, of course not. But I think a really important thing for organizations is you often ask a senior leader, hey, what's the most important thing in your organization? And they go, oh, it's people. Of course, it's people. And you're like, oh, cool. What are you What are you doing to make sure that people are the most important thing in your organization? And they're like, oh, um, oh, we have a, we have a, uh, we have a barbecue uh, with the team once a month. And I'm like, right. Do you think that's going to cut it? Do you think the competition down the road can do a barbecue on, on once a month as well? You know, people don't join and stay organ- at organizations for the barbecue. They want to be part of a high performance organization mm-hmm. and to be part of a high performance organization, you need high performance people at every level. So you need yeah. great tradespeople, you need great managers, you need great project managers, you need great leaders. So you've got to train and develop your people at each of those levels if you really truly want to create a high performance organization. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the concept of organizations are more like training cats? I haven't. No. So most people, me included, the idea of something working the best management possible is almost military-esque. And military-esque, the, the, you know, that's the concept of, you know, how to be organized. And, and so military runs on essentially punishment, right? So, and the thing about military is people move away from punishment and they move towards reward more often than not. And so in the military, the thing is people don't have any options. They can't move military. They have to comply. And so that's the one of the only reasons military works. In an organization, it's more like training cats in that you can train cats, but you can only train cats by reward. If a cat comes home one day and you beat it across the head with a a newspaper, it's gone. It will find another family that will feed it and it's gone.
one. But if you reward a cat with, you know, you know, food and whatever, then that's how you do. And then so in an organization itself, it's more like that than it is the other way. So if you punish people for stuff, they figure out ways to not get punishment. They don't figure out ways to do what you want them to do. Whereas if you have a reward based culture where people are rewarded for the activities that they do and reward doesn't mean it, you know, it can be monetary, it can be employees of the month, it can be MVPs, but it, a lot of times it's the CEO or the manager giving someone kudos either privately or publicly just to say, Hey, you did that awesome thing really, really well. Uh, that's something that's really shifted. I think the culture and the organization that we have, does that resonate with what you would say to people? Absolutely. hundred percent. And I think you made a really great point about if you're going to give someone kudos, have some awareness around how that person would like to receive that kudos. You know, there are some people that they're like, Hey, I'd like to be called up on stage in front of every single person in the organization and being, and told that I'm awesome. And some people love that. And that's, they feel really uh, great about that. Other people are horrified by the thought of being called out in front of the organization. That really just like a quiet word on site after the toolbox meeting to go, Ken, what you did yesterday, that level of performance you delivered was absolutely exceptional. The contribution you're making to this business is outstanding. We deeply value you as a member of the team. And that will, that will give them, you know, the boost for the next, the next month or the next two months. But yeah. being again, that as a, as a good leader, you have awareness about what's the right way to reward, reward people. Yeah. And some people talk, so even the concept of paying people and paying people more, it's obviously a factor. It's important, but you get rewarded in that scenario only. You get rewarded once a month when you receive your paycheck. And oftentimes you get rewarded maybe for the wrong thing. You get rewarded for checking your bank account rather than from the good things that you did that month. So it, it really does make a, a big difference. What are the do's and don'ts of training leaders? Real quick, and we'll get back to the show. If you don't have time or you don't necessarily have the expertise to review and negotiate your own construction contracts, please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, book in a call with our team, and we'll show you exactly how we can help you sign better contracts that have way less downside risk and set yourself up to make more profit on that project and ultimately keep you in business over the long term. It's what all the smart construction companies do. So go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. Now let's go back to the show. Firstly, I would say the the don't expecting that some kind of one-off workshop event is going to create a lot of development and capability. So I'd stay away from the one-off type events. Proven models have a what we call a blended approach to learning. So yes, there's got to be some uh, what we refer to as the content. So if I'm learning how to delegate or how to run effective meetings or how to manage my capacity, I need to understand what some of the f- good frameworks are that are proven and tested and I can understand what they are. But then I, I immediately need to be able to take what I've learned and start practicing it in my day-to-day role straight away. So, you know, if things are very theoretical, very conceptual, lots of big fluffy language, people can't take that and go and implement it tomorrow. So, you know, appropriate amounts of content, keep it short, keep it tight and give it something that people can go and practice in their day-to-day job tomorrow. I think a, a really uh, key other fundamental is that 
Whoever the learner is in the organization, their manager or their leader has to be directly involved in the training. Because if they're not involved, how do they reinforce what you what you learn? How do they praise you for when you're exhibiting that new behavior that we're trying to trying to instill? How do they maybe give a bit of corrective action if they're like, hey, you know, we've we've been learning about running more effective meetings. I observed when you were running the toolbox or the site meeting or the, you know, whatever, here's some ideas that I think you could, you know, maybe improve it another five. Or 10 percent, but if your if your manager, your leader hasn't been involved, they can't they can't give that they can't add any coaching into the element. And then I think another really important aspect is that as adults, we learn very well one by doing, and two by doing with others and learning with peers at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when we're learning with our peer group, we get to hold each other to account. We get to share experiences around what's working and what's not working. We get to start building a common language around how we operate inside the organization. When we send, you know, one individual off to one one workshop, they come back into the business. No one else has got any idea what they were what they were doing. They can't reinforce it. They can't share experiences around it. So I'd say develop people continuously over time. So do small increments, make sure they've got that skill down pat and then move to the next one. Make sure there's coaching involved, which means their manager should be involved so they can coach and reinforce and make sure there's peer learning involved because that that is how we love to learn as adults. Okay, that's really, really, really helpful. And so let's say you're you're a construction company owner, leader in in a construction company, and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, right, I I need to start training people so we can grow the organization. So, you know, a lot of the way I think of it is, and there's another good book by a guy called Dan Martel called Buying Back Your Time. And so if you're trying to buy back your time so you can focus on, on the business or you can focus on strategy or vision or whatever it is that you want to move the business forward and you decide, right, I need to train somebody up and or I need to train people up or I need to train the frontline people up. If you're restricted by time and you're restricted by cash and you got right, who in the organization is the best bang for book to start training? Sure. So the who part of that question, we always say start with your what we'd refer to as the middle managers. Now that can differ wildly depending on the size of your your organization. So if you're a thousand person construction firm you've probably got somewhere in the vicinity of like we use a rule of 10%. You've probably got about 10% of your people that are in kind of like management or leadership roles. And the middle managers, we think you get a lot of bang for buck by training them. And the reason for that is that they are the ones that are closest to the front line, right? So they are leading a lot of people. So you improve their performance as a manager and suddenly it has a direct effect on the 5, 10, 15, 20 people that they interact with the organization every single day. Conversely, if we spend a lot of time initially training the executive table, which might be five or six people, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly our site managers, they may never see the CEO or they might see them in a in a group call once a month or something, but they don't get a lot of contact time. Mm-hmm. So by training your middle managers, they're the people that have a lot of impact to the organization straight away. So we would always suggest that an organization starts with their middle managers. So it might be site supervisors, it might be department managers, you know, like our managers of drafting and construction etc they'll have a lot of impact very quickly yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i think the the other aspect 
to that is when you are trying to create high performance, you really are trying to instill a cult, what we refer to as a culture of contribution. So you know, just like you were uh, referring to the military example, going around barking in orders of people and punishing them for getting it wrong never creates a culture of contribution, right? Contribution is where a manager, as an example, is prepared to say, hey team, we've got this challenge in front of us. How do you think we could solve it? Not feeling like it's there just because they've got manager or supervisor or something in the title that the only person with good ideas actually going to the to your team and going hey we've got a challenge how do you think we can solve it who's got some ideas incredible that gives the space for other people in the team to contribute they can step up and they feel good about that contribution and then you know the organization does better yeah for sure and there's you can find yourself in a trap where one is if you're always solving people's problems then the people delegate up the way so i can't solve this problem until i talk to x y and z and so a good way to get around that is to implement a one three one rule in the company, which is, okay, do not come to me with like, fix this problem for me. I want you to come at me with the challenge, three potential solutions, and then one recommendation as which way you sh- should go. And you've got to be really strict on that. But if you do that, people, they actually feel so much more empowered in their own role because they're like, I'm making a difference. I'm using my brain. And then for you, when people are coming to you with that information, you can actually make a decision so much quicker. You don't have to like just, you know go through that whole diagnostic all right well, what, what about this what about you ask loads and loads of questions and then try to make a decision if it's already done for you it makes a huge difference ryan it's been really really good having you on the pod where can people learn more information and potentially get in touch with you if if they'd like to sure uh two best places would be firstly at our website thebreakthrough.co and secondly connect with me on linkedin uh ryan castle at the breakthrough you'll be able to find me if you uh, search in linkedin happy to answer any questions and uh, share more of our insights and experiences. Okay, sounds good, Ryan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully have you on again in the future and we can dive a little bit deeper. Take it easy. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it.